Hello, church. I want to try it how Seinfeld introduces uh, Newman. Hello, Newman. Hello, church. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Greg Martin. I'm on the preaching team here at Clarkston Community Church. I also am the director of an organization called Draw Disaster Relief at Work. We respond to disasters around the country with supplies and volunteers in the immediate aftermath to help people who have hit rock bottom get back toward normalcy. If you're a regular attender of Clarkson Community Church, you probably could have recited that for me. Um, but if you're new, I wanted to tell you that because I have two hats. I have the preacher hat on and I've got the director hat on. So I'm going to take the preacher hat off and just tell you, uh, as the director of Draw, I wanted to say thank you. Um, Hurricane Florence hit the East Coast about three weeks ago. Uh, in the span of three weeks, Draw has sent uh, an entire semi-truck full of supplies in buckets um, to areas like Newburn, North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina that have been distributed. We also sent three waves of volunteers uh, in Newburn and Wilmington, uh, mucking out homes, roofing, uh, tarping roofs that were damaged, which is a lot of fun in 94 degree weather, uh, being pasty. That was a challenge. Um, we did that for three weeks, and in that span, we personally directly had an impact on over 2,000 victims of the uh, floods and hurricanes. And you all volunteered at our warehouse. Some of you, uh, a couple of you went as first responders, uh, volunteer, and some of you uh, made donations. I know the church took a collection. So we had a huge impact, and a big part of it is because of you. So please give yourselves a hand, and let me hear you say, I just want to say thank you. All right, so that was my uh, duty as the director. I'm going to take that hat off, throw that over, put the preacher hat back on, and now it's sermon time. Uh, what do brake lights mean to you? Well, yeah, stop. Thank you for the literal translation there. That was a, please stop, uh, physically. Um, it also means that somebody's in my way. That's kind of how I see brake lights. Um, literally, someone's in my way. I Last year, Hurricane Harvey hit the southeast coast of Texas, and so Draw was responding to that. And we were there for a long time. We had teams there. While we were working there, uh, there was Hurricane Irma that came up through Florida. And it hit Jacksonville hard because the St. Johns River, which goes right through the city of Jacksonville, over, you know, it, it flooded and damaged thousands of homes. And so Typically when I'm responding or when draws responding, I'm the assessor. I'll go ahead of time and then we take our team. And so our team stayed in Houston and continued to work. And I was going to Jacksonville to assess the damage. Um, I went the day after, I believe it was a Tuesday. Hit on a Monday. I believe I was going on a Tuesday. And I was going to fly into Orlando, except the airport was closed. And then I wanted to fly into Jacksonville, but the Jacksonville airport was closed. And so the next closest was Atlanta. And I've made that, I've driven that stretch many a time down I-75. I lived in Jacksonville for a while. I'm, I'm familiar with all the Waffle Houses all the way down. Okay. And so I thought that's easy. I'll fly into Atlanta. I'll rent a car. I'll drive four and a half hours and get to Jacksonville. So I flew into the Atlanta airport. I went to the rental car place. I went to rent a car. They said, well, can you take a minivan, which I thought was odd. I'm like, do I look like I have kids? I don't think so. And so, sure, fine, I'll take the minivan. And I get on the road. And in the first three and a half hours, I think I went 70 miles. It was just a parking lot on I-75. Because, and I didn't think about it at the time, everyone who, were, who mandatorily 
evacuated Florida was now returning to Florida all on the same day. And so the I-75 southbound was a parking lot. We were barely moving. Now, at this point, I had not slept in my bed hardly at all in a couple weeks. I've been sleeping on air mattresses, showering in somebody else's shower. Uh, Michelle and I had been married for three months, and honestly, I miss my wife. Don't tell her I said that. And uh, I was just kind of surly. I hate being stuck in traffic. Are you? Am I the only one? If the person who gets behind the when you get behind the wheel, are you a different person than when you're outside the car? Like if I saw myself, uh, the the driver Greg, when I was outside the car, I'd be like that guy's a sociopath. Um, I just get really frustrated, and then you you know you're going to stop and go, and then I had to go to the bathroom. Um, and if you've ever driven that stretch of 75, there's not a lot of exits, and so an exit was like two miles ahead, but we're like dead stopped, and I'm like. Want everybody out of my way? I just have to pee, and and uh, it's been it's like you know the longer you hold it, the more urgent it becomes. And I finally get off the exit, and there's two gas stations, and the first one that's right off the exit is just packed with cars, and I'm like, ah! And so I was gonna go a half mile down the road to Sitco, but get off, and I go to Sitco, and every parking spot's taken, any spare piece of land, there's people parking on it, and I park like across the road. Like I, almost in the ditch, like if it was my car, I wouldn't have parked there, but it's a rental, so screw it. And cross the road and I'm, and you know, like when you get clo- when your mind knows that you're getting close to a bathroom and you really have to go, your body's like, all right, here we go. And they kind of like getting ready. And then I walk in and there's a line of literally 50 people for the bathroom. I'm going like, oh, to push back up again. Long-term damage, you know? Anyway, so um, I'm just frustrated. I'm impatient. And I got in line, and I started to look around, and that's when I realized, oh, these are all evacuees. I looked outside, and like all the vehicles that are parked are either uh, people with kids or people with dogs. That you know, like 13 hours is a long time to be in a car. I'm looking down, and I'm talking to everybody. And everybody's coming from different parts of Florida, and they don't know what they're returning to. And I look down at the kids, and they don't know what they're returning to. Is the, is the car destroyed? Is it damaged? Is the house? Is there any water damage there? Did any of their trees come down? Did they damage anything? I mean, it just nobody really knew what they were returning to. And so it was just this weird state, and everybody kind of was sharing it, even though no one knew each other. And, and at that moment, it was like I it was like a snap. What a, Greg, stop feeling sorry for yourself, man. And someone had given me in Houston, ironically, someone had said, oh, you're going to Florida? Here. And they handed me a $50 bill. They said, use this for whatever draw needs. And I'd forgotten it was in my pocket, to be quite honest. And then I like reached in. I'm like, oh, I found money. And I was like, well, I don't know what the rest of this day holds for these kids. But I got out of the bathroom line. I went over to the candy aisle because the candy guy. And I kind of just pulled one of these. And I like walked up to the counter and put it all, popped it all down and paid with the 50. And then I went through the line, every kid. And I'm like, all right, candy. I was the creepy guy, right? I'm driving a minivan. Handing out candy. <laughs> My face is in the post office in Georgia. But um, I didn't know what those kids' lives were going to be. But I knew at that moment maybe I could bring a little bit of, you know, joy. Now, the parents wanted to strangle me, of course, because sugar and then they're back in the car for five hours. But I, it, it just took – I had to snap out of it. Patience is sometimes not easy. We can get caught in ourselves, right? 
And it's hard to have that moment where I have perspective that like my life isn't the only life and this moment is the only moment. Anyway, so we've been going through this sermon series called Experiencing God. And uh, it's, it, boiling it down, it's essentially the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And so, Pastor Greg's been going through them, and this week is patience, and we all want to be more patient. It's an awesome virtue to be known by, to, to be known to have. Um, and it's not the easiest thing to come about. And so, like, a lot of times you hear people say, God, give me patience. And Pastor Greg said, let's, let's call it, give me patience now. And so I thought I would take a look at what Paul wrote and then take a look at the supernatural side of patience because patience seems to be a thing that's like applicable to everybody but what is the what is the god side of patience why is it uh, where it is when paul talks about it so i'm going to read the new living translation galatians chapter 5 verses 15 or i'm sorry 16 through 22 and uh just to i'm sure you guys have read it already in this series but i'll just go through it real quick it says so i say let the holy spirit guide your lives <laughs> it could just end right there then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul's setting up uh, a binary decision. It's the flesh. It's the Spirit. It's this, you know, sinful nature or it's living by the Spirit. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he makes a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild powers, and other sins like these. I'm sure none of us do any of that. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living... That sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so this week we zero in on patience. And so I typically, if you've heard me preach here before, you know that my little trick is I love to dig into like the Old Testament or Jewish history and find some arcane piece of information and bring it to life and like make you go, oh, like that's, that's like my fun little trick. That's like the trick I do when I try to preach. But this week didn't seem like I needed that. The scripture is so rich with gold to mine. And so I just want to take a look at what are the supernatural sides of this life-changing thing known as patience. So we do a, an outline. If you have your outline, the first thing that I will have you fill in, there's a test afterward. There's four things to fill in and we'll, we'll test you after the fact. So uh, take copious notes. The first thing I want to say to you is that patience is spiritual. Patience is spiritual. Now, you may say, Greg, that's an obvious thing because it just said the fruit of the Spirit. 
is patience. So if it's the fruit of the spirit, that means it's spirit jewel, right? But I want to take a closer look at what do I mean by it's spiritual. Anytime you talk about I need patience, there's usually three things that you need to have patience with. And one of them is yourself. In the last 15 to 20 years, there's been a societal boom of improvement in technology. We all have these hard glass plastic things in our pockets that we can touch to make most anything happen that used to take a lot longer. On a random weekday night, I can sit on my couch and order a movie, order food, commune with my friends, set up my schedule for the week, all in the comfort of my robe slash underwear. I can do it. It's, it's so easy. And in the time that it used to take to do all those things, I can do it in a very small fraction of that time. It's what the writer Clay Shirky, he wrote a book called Cognitive Surplus. He basically said all these things that used to take us a ton of time. Remember calling customer service and being on hold? Is that still a thing? I don't know. Maybe it is in some places, but most of the time you can just get that stuff done. Waiting is not something we do well because we can do it faster. We have the ability to do it faster, and it's a great thing, but it has a, some effects. And so when you have cognitive surplus, the entire book that uh, Clay Shirky wrote about was that when you reduce the amount of time it takes to do your normal, everyday things, there is a lot left over of time, and the book is about what do we do with that time. And typically, I don't want to speak for you, but most of us just fill it with even more stuff. We become way more productive. It's, it's like that time is like the suitcase that I took to North Carolina where I just kept jamming stuff in there to make it fit. I put a lot in my suitcase in North Carolina. Clothes, boots, pillow, uh, blanket, umbrella, dresser. Uh, TV, just in there, and then zip it tight and laying on it, and trying to like I got it all to fit. That's what a lot of us do with our day, and it starts to program us. So when I walk into the dentist office, and the dentist isn't ready ready to see me, I sit down in my chair, and maybe not even without thinking, I immediately grab for my phone. And I start to go through stuff. And I'm just in screen world until someone says they're ready to floss my teeth. Okay? You go to the DMV now, used to be that there was a number, like a deli. You take a number and the number would pop up. Now there's screens all around you. I remember when I was, uh, I have a friend who's a missionary in Africa, which they don't have a lot of this. She came to visit. We went out with friends and we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and there was screens everywhere. There was music. There was neon lights all over the place. There was people. It was, she was just, whoa, overstimulated. Like the look on her face, like, is this how you live? This is the future, right? And so we all have slowly started to become residents, uh, citizens of screen world. And if we have a moment that's down, a lot of us, I don't want to accuse anybody, but a lot of us are ready to move to the next thing. And even if it's not about your screen, you're ready to move on to the next thing. And what happens is when you, when you screen all that in, even with social media, when, you're, when your friends are on there, you're, most people, if you see them on their Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they're, 
they're this. Like, what are you actually reading when you're doing this? It's going so fast. Like, you're getting, like, an image and a, and a sentence and a, another image. Oh, so-and-so's got a dog. Looks like they're flying somewhere. And, and, they, and you don't really process things. The byproduct of living in screen world and cramming everything in is that we can uh, do a lot, but we can't process We can't keep up to process it. Does that make sense? Um, I want to tell you a story of Libby. Libby is, uh, I married into a family that had a golden retriever named Libby. Yeah, you probably see her picture on the screen in a minute. That's Libby, 10, 11 years old. And honestly, like I was never, before I met Michelle, I was never really a dog guy. And then uh, her sister and brother-in-law have dogs and Libby was a gem. I freaking love that dog. I, I, I thank my sister-in-law because she trained Libby to, like, rest her chin on your shoulder when she's hugging you. And so you're just in there. And, like, the other dogs in the house are, like, like running around. And Libby just will hang, right, like a good golden. Here's a picture of Libby and I. Just to prove that we're friends, we're sledding in Christmas. And uh, she didn't like that very much. Libby was older, about 10, 11 years old, and she had a tumor on her shoulder that was huge. It was benign, but it was huge. And uh, just looked like she was just working out with one paw, like, dude, even it out, right? Um, but we'd go over, and Libby would just let just hug, and she'd be up on her front legs, and as she got older, like, her legs would be shaking. I'm like, Libby, lay down. Like, relax. And about 10 days ago, uh, a week ago Friday, Michelle went over to her sister's house, and uh, she texted me. She said, Libby doesn't seem like she's doing that great. She seems pretty sick. Um, she's not eating well and doesn't have any energy. I said, well, I mean, was, she's old. Maybe she's been through this before. And that night I was the DJ and an MC and the sound guy for a wedding at Plantera, which is a venue in West Bloomfield. It's also a venue that happens to be across the street from my uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law. And as I'm at this thing, I'm, you know, doing the whole, like, making announcements. Please welcome for the first time Mr. and Mrs. Joe and Stephanie, blah, 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 you know, right? Like, I'm that guy. And I'm supposed to DJ in between the band's sets. And this band usually plays 45 minutes at a time. And that night, as I'm at the wedding, I get a text from Michelle that said, Libby's going to the hospital. It's not looking good. I said, well, keep me in the loop. And five minutes later, she said, is there any way you can get here? She's not going to make it much longer. And she said, actually, the nieces, my, my nieces, so my sister's kids, were at the grandparents across the street. She said, is there any way you could pick them up and bring them here so they could say goodbye to Libby? And uh, I was like, whew, okay. Uh, so I went to the band. I said, guys, you usually play 45-minute sets. I have to DJ in between. Can you play for like an hour? Like, can you extend it? I have to go see Libby for the last time. And they, okay, yeah, we'll play longer. So when you're the sound guy, you have to make sure all the levels are right. So we wait. Uh, they play the first song. I get the levels right in the first 10 seconds. I'm like, all right, see ya. And I sprint out to my truck. Now, most of the light, I have a bunch of lights in the back of my truck. And also, like, I'm getting texts like, all right, um, you have to put the car seat in. I'm like, I don't know how to put a car seat in. I'm going to put a car seat. I'm, I, I get the car seat for my, my uh, in-laws. I'm like, ah, it seems like it's enough for the five-year-old. She's, it's not going to go anywhere. We're fine. And then I'm taking like very fragile equipment out of the back seat and like just tossing it into the bed, like trying to make quickly make 
uh, room for them, and I get them in there, and then uh, the five-year-old gets in the, the seat, and she's, she has the ability to fall asleep like this, and I'm like, Ellie, don't fall asleep, and like three minutes later, she's snoring louder than I've ever snored in my life, and I'm, dry, I'm speeding through West Bloomfield to get to the, uh, the veteran, veterinarian hospital at uh, Orchard and Telegraph, and we pull up and get the girls out. We run in the hospital, and we go to the room, and there, sedated, is Libby and uh, Michelle and her sister and her brother-in-law. And they're saying their goodbyes. And uh, it was, it's as sad as you're going to get. And I thought I was fine, and then I, like, leaned down to, like, hug Libby one last time. And I come up, and I'm just, like, gone. And uh, they told the kids, saying goodbye to Libby. And I know in that moment this was like the least important thing, but I said it out loud because I couldn't believe it. I was like, guys, I got to go back to a wedding. And <laughs> how the freak am I going to go back to a wedding? So I'm trying to like, and, and I say goodbye. And a uh, big loss for our, our family. I drive fast back to the wedding. I pull in, probably double park. I sprint in. I wash my face. The band's on their last song. I walk up, and I make the next announcement. And, All right, here we go. Let's keep the party going. Like, like that. I don't think 15 minutes is enough time to mourn the loss of someone you love. So the wedding goes on. I feel like kind of I'm in a haze. We'll pack up. Next morning, there's a volunteer group coming from a church to go help out at Draw's warehouse, and I'm the point person for that. So I have to get up, shower, go to the warehouse that night. Michelle and I are going to the wedding of a board member. The following day was the Taste of Clarkston. I run one of the stages there. I had to get up at 7 to go set that up. The next day, our team left for Wilmington, North Carolina, and we, I just had to keep going. And what happens when we cram our schedule, or when we're just, even if our schedule's not crammed, but we just move on to the next thing, is that we're shoving things that we should probably deal with emotionally just into the suitcase and make it. And we don't deal with it. When Pastor Greg brought up this sermon series back in May, he talked about a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he said, you know, this kind of uh, mirrors the fruits of the Spirit. And it has a lot to do with, like, how do you deal with emotions that you have? Because God cares about our emotions just as much as he cares about everything, every other part of us. And so when I say that patience is spiritual, I think what I mean is that we sometimes just bury stuff for the sake of moving on. I'll pick on my mom for a second. Do you ever, anybody have a mom or are, are you a mom who when you're yelling at someone and all of a sudden the phone rings and then they get on the phone and their entire voice and stature completely change and you're like, what, who was that person and where were they five seconds ago, Right. And they just put it down there and then they just move on. Have you had a debate or an argument at home and then you just have to go to a thing and then the next thing and it just, you know, it's never really resolved and it's just in there, right? And if you don't have patience with yourself, if you're constantly trying to move to the next thing, then those things sit in there and they come out in very unhealthy and a lot of times ungodly ways. Like behind the steering wheel of a car. And so when I say patience, it's spiritual. 
What I'm saying is we have to have patience with ourselves and have the ability to deal with the stuff that we put away. It could be hurt. It could be anger. It could be joy. It could be excitement. It could be sad. It could be any number of things. But the more we try to shove it in the suitcase and push it down in there, the more it's going to come out unhealthily in other places. And we just, as a fruit of the spirit, if it's going to be spiritual, we have to be patient with ourselves. Point number two, patience is eternal. Okay? Patience is eternal. What do I mean by that? Patience is the understanding that this moment is not the only moment that there will ever be. And sometimes we're in a moment where it feels like this is all it'll ever be. It's hard to get perspective out of this trench that I'm in right now. When I was one year old, my parents were both teachers and they were both laid off. They were trying to find other teaching jobs. And they said, whoever gets the job first, that's the city we're going to go to. And my mom got hired in the thriving city of Cass City, Michigan. In the thumb. I mean, huge metropolitan area, 15-minute drive to McDonald's, right? And so when you live that remotely in the middle of nowhere, my dad, if he doesn't get a job at Cass City, he's going to have some issues getting a job close enough. And so he was just kind of hustling. And then he decided, I'll go into nursing. And so he took classes over and over to get his nursing degree. And whatever this degree was, there was an end test that you had to get a 70% on to pass. And so my dad took all the classes. He went through the process. He went to take the test and he got a 67. And he's, I mean, if you, if you're in a family like this, you know, this. like when you're the one spouse, like you feel like you not, you, you may not feel like you're earning your keep. You're like, ah, and so that, that's my dad in this scenario. And so he goes through the whole process again. He takes the test again and he gets a 69. And he was heartbroken. And when he retells the story, like I was four, year old, four years old, I didn't really get it. But he tells the story now, and I remember he tells the story about like he's sitting with his pastor, and his pastor's trying to give like all this wisdom, and he was just like sad and in his head just like, just shut up, man. Just sit here. Don't t- t- I don't want to hear, you know. In that moment, it did not feel like there was anything else. And the second thing we have to be patient with sometimes is our circumstance. Our circumstances sometimes, whether it's a small or an entirety of our lives, it feels like it's just never going to be better. I'm just never getting out of this. No good's coming out of this. I can't see an escape route out of this circumstance I'm in right now. But let me Paul Harvey you for a second. The rest of the story is my dad ended up getting his special education certificate. And then he taught for 25 years as a middle school special ed teacher, impacting hundreds of lives of students with special needs. He was a coach and he was honored. He got multiple awards regionally for his coaching and for his mentorship uh, of young men in wrestling. By all accounts, you look at his life and you're like, that's a life well lived and with purpose. But when he failed the, the test a second time, it didn't feel like that could ever happen. And in those moments, it's hard to see that there'll ever be another thing because you're just in it. But patience is the understanding that that is just a moment on the spectrum of eternity. And things will change. Patience is eternal. Maybe you walked in today and you got this thing that just doesn't feel like you can get out of. And you're just anxious and it's tearing you up. So here this morning, 
that it, when you live by the Spirit, you can understand that there's an eternal side of things and you can have patience because you're trusting in God, that there is another landmark for you. Patience is spiritual. You've got to be patient with yourself. Patience is eternal. You have to have patience with your circumstance. And the third thing is patience is hopeful. Patience is hopeful. Right? So you have to have patience with yourself. You have to have patience with your circumstance. But the big one is you have to have patience with other people. And some of you may have a person or more in your life that just life would be better if they weren't there. I mean, can we just be honest? Like they just, they're a constant headache. And maybe it's something small like somebody you have to work with occasionally. Maybe it's someone in your own house and you just feel like, I can't take this person anymore. And you're ready to blow up and it just culminates because you can't say something every time they annoy you, poke at you. And so it just builds and builds and builds. And then pretty soon they do one thing and you explode. And you're like, ah, that wasn't the most patient response that I could have given. But it was a buildup over time. And it feels like that person is who they are. But the fact that it's hopeful means that you see that God has put good in them and they are redeemable. Maybe they're hurting you. Maybe they're just annoying you. Maybe they're uh, destroying something around you. And it's just easy to see them as they are. But patience is the ability to go, God can and will redeem you. And so I will hold off judgment for this moment because who you are now is not who you will be. You is a very fluid concept in the words of Will Smith in the movie Hitch. Lots of wisdom there, right? This person that you need to have patience with, it's hopeful to have patience because you know that maybe God will redeem them. If, you're, if you have to have patience with something they're doing wrong, and so patience is hopeful. Patience is eternal. Patience is spiritual. But the last thing, and it doesn't fit with the whole rest of it because it's more than one word, but the thing I'll say is patience is the byproduct of something else. Patience is the effect of something else. We all talk about wanting to be able to have patience in the moment, but just by nature when we read this, patience is described as a fruit of the Spirit. And fruit doesn't exist on its own. It comes from another place. I want to read a well-known passage. I'm just going to read it. We don't even put it on the screen. It's in John 15. But in it, it mentions fruit a handful of times. And instead of putting the word fruit in there, I'm going to put the word patience in there. Make sense? Easy little exercise. It says this. I am the, this is Jesus talking. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce patience. And he prunes the branches that do bear patience so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce patience if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be full of patience unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much patience. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But 
if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much patience, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Michelle and I were talking about people who, um, when they talk about their faith, they put almost an overemphasis on being saved and going to heaven. And I said this flippantly, and I don't know if this is great theology, but I feel like they're missing the best part. Sure, that's a, a part of your faith, and it's good. But faith is your living in communion with God, being connected to him, experiencing him daily, whether that's through prayer, whether it's through study, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through any of the disciplines where you connect with him, whether it's coming to worship, being part of a service uh, to the community where you feel like God is present. When you're connected to God like that, out of that is a fruit called patience. It comes from him. We can try to get it from somewhere else, but it's not truly going to thrive, nor will it last because it's separated from what Jesus calls the vine. All fruit comes from God. It comes through us. And so rather than focusing on it, I need to have patience and trying to find that, what we should pursue is I need to have relationship regularly. Worship, prayer, study, communion, service. Those are the things that will lead us to an eternal perspective. Those are the things that will lead us to a spiritual perspective. It will lead us to a hopeful perspective because we see God who, he's, who he is. We see ourselves as who we're supposed to be. So what's the takeaway? Takeaway number one. Have you crammed too much in your suitcase? What is it that you have to unpack to be spiritually, emotionally healthy? Did you walk in here having a fight four days ago that you're still just stewing over? Did you experience a loss and not really examine it and how it affects you? Did you have a huge milestone but just keep, move on, keep moving on because it's just your nature to keep moving on? I just have to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Do you need to find God so that he can give you the patience to deal with all those things? <laughs> this morning I announced to Michelle as I'm getting ready, I'm like, I'm taking a day off this week. She's like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, I have been cramming my suitcase for the last two weeks. Every person we meet in Wilmington or Newborn, Newburn that's come across loss, our our dear family member Libby, our, the joys of weddings that we've gone to. I was just, just cramming it all in and not really unpacking. I just need to. What is it that you have to unpack? Where is it that you need to have patience with yourself to detach from screen land or the effects of screen land so that you can be emotionally, spiritually healthy? Takeaway number two. Are you in a situation where it feels like you're stuck? Does God need to give you the vision of an eternal look so that you can have 
kind of a, a way to have hope. Well, I'm, I can get out of this. I, I will get out. This will not be the end of all things. I can see some good that God could take out of it. Does he need to give you that eternal perspective? Do you need to have patience with a circumstance? Takeaway number three. Is there someone that you just, you've had enough of? That you, you just, you want them to not talk anymore. You want them to not be around you anymore. Do you need to ask God, hey, God, show me what the redeemed version of this person looks like. Help me to see that so that I can bear fruit and have patience now. Help me to be hopeful about this person or these people. Because when we find ourselves connected to the vine, when we are experiencing God on a daily basis, he gives us what we need. He said it in that John 15. He said, whatever you ask, I will give. So what is it that you need the Spirit to bear fruit out of you in the form of patience today? What is it that you have to deal with so you can be emotionally, spiritually healthy? What is it that you need so that you can truly experience God? Let's pray. God, uh, we need to more fully be connected to you. And so, Lord, teach us as we do this. Teach us as we pray. Teach us as we commune, as we serve. Teach us as we worship. Help us to be the branches that bear the fruit that you want us to bear. And God, in that, would you help us experience the fullest life that you promised us in Christ Jesus? Would your fruit start to be a life-changing power where as we exhibit your patience, the world sees you? Help us, help everybody here today with whatever they brought in to have patience with themselves, to have patience with their circumstance, to have patience with others because in totality we have faith in you. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.